The following is for information purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. All opinions and views expressed by the contributors to this podcast are in a personal capacity only. They do not represent the views of Progressive Equity Research or any other organisation mentioned in this podcast. Money never sleeps, pal. Okay, so uh, we're coming to the end of another week. It's Thursday the 22nd, doing this call a little bit earlier than normal this week because, Jeremy, you're on holiday. Well, yeah, I'm off for a weekend skiing and 40 centimetres of snow falling today and tomorrow where I'm supposed to be at the weekend. So quite happy about life at the moment, I have to say. But yeah, Very good. The end, near the end of another week. <laughs> so before your mind wanders to that, it'd be good to run through yeah, some of the macro goings on. And then there's been quite a lot in terms of company-specific developments this week. Yeah, as we highlighted, there's not much new to say in the macro world this week. Increasing talk about the prospect of a second rise in inflation, which is halting the otherwise expected decline in rates. Some people even suggesting that the next move in rates will be up, not down. And I think the question from all that is, are we taking a pause before rates come down or are we just in a bear market rally? And that's the dilemma the market's in at the moment. Yeah. And there's no obvious direction, but some of that, certainly the interest rate elements have certainly been a bit of a surprise to people, having had not too many weeks ago, the talk was all about when the first cut will come. Now it's, yeah. I guess the other issue this week, probably the bigger issue coming from the equity market is the AI bubble. Yeah, what's going on there? Indeed, yeah. The AI bubble marches on. Uh, Last week, uh, we had significant product launches. This week, we have had results from NVIDIA which um, is now bigger than Amazon and Alphabet and you know, has risen a cool 200% over the last 12 months. But I think it's Apple and Tesla are sort of lagging in the Magnificent Seven. And thinking about it today, after we got these NVIDIA results overnight, you know, never mind the Magnificent Seven, it's sort of becoming the Magnificent One. You know, Jensen Huang talked confidently about the AI tipping point that we're now through and how the world is entering a whole new investment cycle in chipsets and data centers. NVIDIA's revenue more than tripled to $22 billion in Q4. Just amazing. Yeah, a business that that, size to triple, exactly. Yeah, uh, And most of that revenue came from a part of the business that didn't even exist a few years ago, the data center division, which is growing at 400% year on year. So. This is huge. And, you know, it sort of lends some credibility to this idea that Sam Altman has been talking about the open AI CEO, who's rumored to be trying to raise between five and seven trillion dollars, that's trillion dollars, that he feels is needed to repurpose the world for artificial general intelligence. It's a thing. And I think it's the big in for equity markets because it's sucking in so much capital. It is the biggest thing in town, without doubt. Yeah, and it's, and it's extraordinary. I mean, the way they've performed and the, the market reaction, it's almost exactly the opposite of what I, I might have thought in terms of we've been thinking about maybe it'll start to ripple out and it'll be the next layer down of companies who are beginning to benefit. And I think that will still happen. I think there will be very, very significant changes in the business models or the business strategies and lots of businesses. But for now, the clear weight of AI is through NVIDIA and almost NVIDIA only. I mean, the other stocks are up, but nowhere near as much as NVIDIA. 
um, in the process of writing something about this, and I think I think it's still the case. Yeah, you know, there will come a point when you know, if you think back to the dot com boom, you know, where, where Cisco was the picks and shovel provider for the thing called the internet that was coming, it became the largest company in the world. In the same way, Nvidia, it's not quite the largest company in the world, but it looks like it will be soon. The way things are going, is the picks and shovel provider for AI. So it didn't last long in the case of Cisco. I mean, Cisco remained a large company and still is a large company today, but it isn't in the premier division. And what happened next in the dot-com boom was you saw this dispersal of returns and you saw some of that capital, some of those flows that otherwise would have got into Cisco and the big telcos going into Anyone that had a half working website and All they the became dot com startups and they the next became big billion thing. pound yeah. businesses overnight. Yeah. And no, I think right. we're starting to see that, you know, happen. You know, I think we're starting to see that happening at the same time as the phenomenal rise of NVIDIA. And I think I don't think NVIDIA will be able it it, it it's almost unimaginable that NVIDIA will be able to retain its market share and market position in chipsets for AI. I might be wrong, but I think it's highly unlikely. I think as that realization dawns, and I don't know when, I don't know whether that's later this year or later this decade, but when it does happen, some of that capital will disperse into smaller capitalization stocks. You don't have to go too far down. I mean, last week, I think it was, or the week before last week, you know, the ARM share price rose 80%. Supermicro, which I happen to follow because it's the largest holding in the Herald Investment Trust, is up 275% year to date. Wow. Um, okay. You know, so an even... Relics, the old Reed Elsevier in the UK, got a bump on the back of its AI credentials. So this sort of dispersal of this capital buildup of AI, I think that will be the next stage of the yeah. of, of the bubble. But I think, yeah, for now it's all about the big. It's all about Nvidia. I mean, they're just that's right. They're, they're just stealing the show. But but you're absolutely right. And, and I remember during that dot com boom time, I was covering the hosting, the web hosting sector, and the question was all about. How many servers does the world need? How many data centers does the, the world need to house those servers? How much power will they all need? All of those sorts of things. Or how and much fiber optic cable do we need? Correct, yeah. And the, well, the, the maths was fantastic. You know, there, there were huge sums being talked about. And then suddenly the technology moved on again and you could house one website, didn't need its own server. You could suddenly house yes. 50 or 500 websites on one machine. And yeah. then it was 2,000. So, so the maths changed very quickly. And that sector fell down, you know, dramatically because the technology moved on. I think the issue with NVIDIA is it's difficult to see that technology moving on dramatically from somebody else. I mean, that they keep moving the technology on so strongly themselves that they've been riding that. There is always the risk that somebody else will start to do things differently or the requirements, you know, people will start to have enough of these chips and enough of these processes to do what they need. And at the back of my mind, I'm always conscious that you don't need a massively powerful AI engine in every room all around the world because we've got the internet, we've got connectivity, so we can connect to the AI. We don't, we don't need thousands or millions of instances of the AI. We just need a few, and we, know we need to be able to connect to them efficiently and smoothly. So there will be, at some point, a, a flattening out, but you're right at the moment that the growth is just phenomenal. And yeah, the, the ripple out effects, are, yeah, there are many of them, and it'll be interesting to see how they, how they evolve over time. Yeah, and I think to the analogy of the dot-com boom, you know, none of us who lived through it spotted the likes of Amazon, you know, th th this point in the cycle when Cisco was the largest company, the yeah. headlines about Amazon, to the extent there were any, was that it was about to go bust and that it can't possibly survive and because it, it won't get financed. 
no, we hadn't heard of Facebook at this stage and Google wasn't listed, but was just, everyone was, yeah, it just, we didn't know what to search. Well, yeah, it was the way you did search. Mm. It Mm. was fantastic, but no one knew what the business model was. The, you know, the idea of um, page ranking and AdSense and ad search, we hadn't even considered it. And if you think about all the business models in that last 25 years that have been disrupted by the internet. I think it gives you an indication that we haven't even begun to conceptualize no. what the winning business models are going to be of yeah. this 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 wave of innovation no. on the back of AI. It's uh, going to be so an exciting road. So it will. Yeah, yeah. And I think to watch. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be very interesting, yeah. Closer to home, we've had a bit more going on on the, the UK quoted scene with some of the small caps, a few companies reporting now and some trading updates, Not a lot of them not so good across a, yeah. a couple of industries. We saw Springfield Properties, I think, on Tuesday with some decent results. The shares have performed well, and I think they've uh, they've managed to, to navigate pretty well so far through this uh, this difficult property market in which we find ourselves, but they, they seem to be doing a good job of that. Doing more land sales as well. I think there's more of that to come. So yes, the... They seem to, should, seem to be managing the downturn pretty well, actually. Yeah, I think it's a very pragmatic response to the, the market they're seeing. And, and hopefully the housing market will begin to recover at some point as, as these interest rates do eventually start to come down whenever that is. But, uh, but yeah, so, so that was that was good. We had a bit of bid activity return to the mid-cap space because uh, we've had confirmed approaches having been made for Curry's, the electrical retailer, from Elliott Advisors, combined with speculation in the press that other people, including JD.com, the Chinese internet retailer, is also expressed interest. Now, of course, Curry's is pretty interesting. It, Mike Ashley of Fraser's fame holds a stake in Curry's and AO World. So there does seem to be a bit of a play going on for the right to deliver your next fridge freezer, and among other things, of course. I think the background here is that, you know, obviously, it's an interesting market in its own right, white goods and is an interesting kicker that can come from an eventual recovery in the UK housing market. Once housing market, as we when we spoke to Alistair a couple of weeks ago, is talking about the potential for the recovery in housing transactions. You know, people move house, they buy new white goods. It's good news. The other sort of thing that's happening in this space is the gentle but unmistakable demise of John Lewis, which um, you know can't really keep up with the innovation and the um, specialization of people like AO World and also the smaller, but I think very interesting one to consider in all this, the uh, smaller company that does competes with AO World, slightly higher end is Marks Electrical, who uh, yes. I think is a very interesting founder-led entrepreneurial business that is, uh, it's a tough business, you know, delivering and installing dishwashers and washing machines uh, in with 24 hours notice anywhere in the UK is clearly a logistical um, complexity. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of um, the, 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 there's bid speculation and attention being focused on this space. Yeah, no, it's good. There was some negative news from a few of the uh, businesses involved in, I guess, importing of, of physical goods for industrial and scientific markets and healthcare. We had yes. XP Power last week with their challenges and there's been a couple more this week, I think. Yes. So um, Dialyte and Gooch and Houseco were the two that caught my eye. The Dialyte was talking about challenging market conditions persisting through 2024 with longer than usual order cycles for major projects due to inflationary pressures. They talked about economic uncertainty, particularly in key US markets, which is slightly strange or, you know, in terms of most people, for most people, it's been markets outside the US, but uh, there we go. It basically was warning that 2024 is going to be more about, um, maybe more second half 
staff weighted. And then we had Gucci and Houseco, which is much more high-end technology business focusing on industrial and medical markets with its photonics and laser technology. But they warned that their customers have been reducing inventory and reporting near-term demand weakness, and that this weakness has been more prolonged than they anticipated. And again, profits expected to be below previous guided levels. So we've kind of got a bit of a question here, you know, how many specific warnings? So just to my reckoning, we've had Guggenhaus go dialite, as you say, XP Power last week. I think a couple of weeks before that, Trifast, you know, how many specific warnings does it take for a trend to be discerned here? So <laughs> no, just, 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 re- yeah. just, a, just sort of think, thought it was quite interesting. Looking to next week. Be interesting. We've got a quite a bit coming up. Yeah, it's a busier week uh, in this upcoming week. Uh, next week, we're going to get uh, Monday. We get Japan inflation, uh, where expectations are for a year-on-year decline from two point six percent to two point four percent. Tuesday, we've got U.S. durable goods orders for January, expecting a month-on-month decline of four and a half percent from a flat figure in December, and we get U.S. house price data for December, which should continue to show a similar level of growth in US house prices, which have been strong, uh, around 6.6% sort of year-on-year growth. And then on Wednesday, we get US GDP data for Q4. I think this is going to be the biggie, where expectations are for a slowdown of quarter-on-quarter growth from 4.9%, which I think most people would expect to be unsustainable, to a more manageable 3.3%. But let's have a look at that and hear what people are going to say about it. And then on Thursday, we get inflation data for January in the form of core PCE data, which Jay Powell always said is his favorite measure of inflation, where an increase is expected. But the flash figure for the month is from 0.2% to somewhere between 03 and 0.4%. So could be a few nerves on that one. And then on Friday, there's US ISM manufacturing PMI data. It's going to be hovering around the 50 level, which indicates flatlining. And also on Friday, we get euro inflation flash data for February, which is going to show a flattish annualized rate of around 2.7%. So highlighting that the issue in Europe is more about deflation than inflation, I would say, going forward. But I think out of all that, we're going to get guidance on US GDP and core price inflation. So I think it's going to be back to the looking at indications of what the trajectory of interest rates are going to be like for the rest of 2024. And I think those two pieces of data will be key in that uh, calculation. Yeah, some important numbers coming up next week. So yeah, fantastic. Great. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Um, great yeah, to run well, through you. that all, all, all again. So we'll, okay. we'll call that a wrap for this week. Um, yeah. And just for, for one of our listeners, it's good to say, hope you sleep well, Lorne. Yeah, sleep well, Lorne. Brought to you by Progressive Equity. 